Today is the day that Franklin Graham and his organization challenged God's people in the United States to fast and pray. Now, fasting is a very personal thing. And so that's between you and the Lord, but we can pray. And so the challenge of fasting and praying has been given for us to respond to in some way today, if we will. And the reason is because we have an election coming up a week from Tuesday, a very important election. I don't have to say anything about that. Surely you're already educated to the issues that are at hand and the crossroads where we find ourselves. But what I want to do, instead of just preach a message, we'll, we'll, God willing, we'll pick up continuing in Ephesians next time. But I want to go back to the Old Testament for this morning and a very familiar passage of Scripture that's found in Second Chronicles chapter 7, but I want to do instead of a sermon, what I want to do is a reading from the original text and then in closing make a few comments uh, and all of this is to prepare us for those who want to stay after the service, is that right? To have a time of prayer together before uh, exiting uh, for the morning, so we'll, we'll have that after our benediction, after we close the service but a time of prayer. So I'm reading from the Hebrew text, okay? And I'll just take it a little phrase at a time. And the first word in the Hebrew text is hen, hen. You read it from right to left, and it can be translated several ways. It can be translated when or if or even behold. But the word is a strong word, and in the context of the scripture, the Lord, knowing our sinful condition and our fallen state, acknowledges the truth that his people are prone to sin. Now, this is in the greater context in Second Chronicles. It's given when uh, there's a a dedication of the, of the temple and feasts and so forth and the altar that's being dedicated in the time of Solomon when Solomon's temple is built. But when we look at the Old Testament, we remember that Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, everything in the Old Testament is given as an example for you, that is the church. So when we're looking at the way God tenderly speaks to his people in the Old Testament, Israel, we understand that the same God would speak in, in the same way to us as the church. Now, our land is not the land of Israel. The church doesn't have presently a, a land, a parcel of land. We are a spiritual kingdom moving toward the great physical kingdom of the millennial time. But what God says to Israel would ring just as true to our hearts and we take it to heart. God's people need to listen to the admonition of our God. So he says, 
Hashemayim. When I shut up the heavens. And there is no rain. Or I command upon the locusts to devour the land. Or I send a pestilence among my people. And if my people will humble themselves, Asher Nikra Shemi, who are called by my name, Elohim Viat Palu Vivachsu Fane Vyasubu. And pray upon and seek my uh, my presence, my face. Come to where I will see you. Seek my face, my presence. And turn from their wicked ways. Midachahim haraim. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sin. And Purify their land. This is the this is the translation of Rabbi Rosenberg, who is a chief translator of the Hebrew into the English. I was pretty close. Let's think about it. Considering the time that we're charged and challenged as Christians to pray. Franklin Graham is a, in my view, is a respectable Christian leader. And it is certainly right for God's people to pray. And I know that our prayers and our time of fasting won't be limited just to today. Between now and election time. And even after whoever wins, we're commanded to pray for those who are in authority. If God can save Nebuchadnezzar, he can save anybody. So let's look at it again and just have a couple of thoughts here. When, I, I prefer when, I prefer when, because it's a powerful word. And God's people stumble into, you study the history of the church and you will find a time when the church in general fell into grievous error. There's always a remnant, but the church as a whole. And in church history, there were times when the church had to be challenged within itself 
to come to its senses and to get back to the word of God and to take the word of God just like it is. Don't add to it or take away from it or, or try to make it fit into some uh, contemporary setting. It is what it is. And we, we take the precious holy word of God and it is our great challenge and call as the people of God to guard the word of God, to keep the word of God, to guard it. But today, we would have to get into our prayer closets and in a time of meditation, before we pray, have to ask ourselves the question, in the United States of America, has the church generally fallen into sin? It's been this past week where I read an article that's, that the Pope said civil unions of homosexuals would be acceptable to the church. And so he thus accepted the lifestyle and arrogated himself to some kind of position where he, where he thought he could null and void the word of God. Well, it isn't just in the Catholic Church. There are other churches who accept all kinds of things that are unbiblical. When I think of having a biblical worldview, I think that things, from my perspective, fit into one of three categories. Number one, it's biblical. Number two, it's unbiblical. So if I'm considering things through the lens of my biblical worldview, if things are biblical or are unbiblical, it's a no-brainer. I understand what my position has to be. Then, then there are those things that are non-biblical. And this is where I get into the Word of God, and then I ask the Lord just to give me a direction. For example... Should I go on the Mediterranean diet or the Atkins diet? Lord, help me. I haven't found that in the Bible yet. But I find some things that are relative to the way that I ought to eat and such. So there are things that are non-biblical. But may I say to you, the vast majority of things that we face today fall into those two categories, one or the other, biblical or unbiblical. And so we reflect upon those who say they're in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and we ask the question as a church. We, we can't answer for people who don't claim to be in the church. They're dead in trespass and sin. And I always use this, I always use this example, this illustration. When my kids were small, Nobody goes to the mall anymore, but uh, Walmart. I'll use Walmart. And all of our kids were just close together in age. And there were some kids who, as my mother would say, acted like a bunch of little heathens. <laughs> I couldn't help everybody else's children. My focus was on my own children. They had to behave. 
They had to follow the rules. They had to do the things that were right. I, I wasn't responsible for everybody else's children. Now, this is the way the church is. We are responsible for the, before the Lord. Now, in the United States of America, I can't tell you the true, the true statistics of who really are Christians and who are not. Barna will tell you that something like 70-something percent of the people claim to be Christian. I personally have a hard time with that, but I'm not the judge. I do know that we are commanded to seek to be obedient to the Word of God. And everything in my view that seems to be wrong and hurtful to the nation today would be easily addressed if those who really claim to be Christians obeyed the Word of God. It would solve just about almost everything, I guess. So, when I shut up the heaven and there be no rain, a loss of supplies, vital supplies. If I command the locusts to devour the land, I pray that they don't jump the ocean and come from where they are now to where we are. But they could. Or if I send a pestilence upon my people, has he sent a pestilence? I think so. And it has confused every point of lifestyle in America and across the world that exists. When I do these things, there is an answer for the people of God. And here it is. And my people upon whom my name is called. Listen. It is, it is, it is a profound blessing to know the Lord. We could never know him if he had not called himself to us, had revealed himself to us. We could never know it. Why is the rest of the world in such a stupor and, and so confused? And, and why do they reject the word of God and the way of God? It is because they're dead spiritually. They are in darkness and they have no light to show them the way. Now we preach the gospel and we pray for them. Only God knows among them who will come to him. That's God's business. That's not mine. My business is to preach to all of them. But speaking now of the elect of God, my people upon whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my presence. Now they were in the, they were in the shadows of the brand new temple that had been built. Fire from heaven came down and devoured the offering that was on the altar. And it was, it was further evidence to the Israelites in the Old Testament that the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. Today, the presence of God in the world is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. We've been studying in Ephesians we don't seem to understand the great riches that are ours in Christ. 
my people. The rest of the world is not concerned about sin. They love it. A proof of a person's faith in Christ is like what it said about Lot. Being in Sodom, it vexed his righteous soul. We are vexed. To whom will the Lord respond? His people upon whom his name is called. So what do we do? We humble ourselves. What does that mean? It means, Lord, this thing is out of control. I don't know what to do. I know that you can do anything and that you plus one is more than the rest of the world. So show your people where our help comes from. And give us the help that we so desperately need in these last days. Surrounded by rampant and unrestrained sin and a multitude of people in this world who are not even ashamed of sin, but rather proud of it. We humble ourselves and we take that place of a sinner. Lord, I've done things. I've been caught up in worldly stuff. And it's just killing me. Humble themselves and pray and seek my presence. The presence of the Lord. When the Lord is in the room, there's no room for anything else but the Lord. And repent of their evil ways. Now he's talking to his people. He's not talking to the, he's not, he's not talking to the Babylonians or, 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 or anybody. He's talking to his people. Repent of their evil ways. God's people can collapse into evil ways. Things that not only become a habit, but almost become a stronghold. Repent. I shall hear from heaven. In other words, from heaven I'll hear you. And forgive their sin. He'll purify their land. So in this very special season... I'm, I have to think about this a minute. 21, 1972. 1972 was a presidential election. That's the first time I voted. I was 21. I voted for Nixon, I think. And then he quit. <laughs> Here's my point. My point is I've seen quite a few presidential elections. I was born when Harry Truman was president. Now, we weren't personal friends. Uh, I was an infant. <laughs> but I, I became interested in things I knew about Eisenhower. I remember the tight election between Kennedy and Nixon, the first one. 
I remember uh, President Johnson. All of those, I, can, I could call all of them. And I participate. But I have to tell you something. I've never seen anything like this election. The threats, the intimidations, the awful things that are being said and threatened. And two distinct ways of life that are presented as clearly as they can be presented. So we have to pray about that as individuals. What do I think is best? We have to pray, but we have to pray in repentance ourselves and in humility and in sincerely seeking the presence of the Lord. Not just, you know, not just one of those God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. You have to, I mean, get by yourself and get before God and ask him to help you as a Christian. We have, I hope and pray and believe that the Lord is coming very, very soon. What if I'm wrong? And my grandchildren have to grow up in the world that I hand to them. God is sovereign. And he knows exactly what he's doing and he never makes a mistake. But the admonition for the people of God are found here, is found here in verse 14. To be humble before God, to pray, seek his presence, repent of sin, trusting God to respond the way that he said he would to bless his people. Now, we're not Israel. But in a sense, we are, we are spiritual Israel. I believe that physical Israel is different from the church. And I believe that there are Israelites who are saved and are part of the church presently, Romans 9, 10, and 11. And then I believe that the time of the fullness of the Gentiles will come and that God will once again call Israel to himself and all Israel be saved at the end of the age. But we are now today where we are. And our, even though this isn't the land of Israel, and even though from sea to shining sea, it isn't completely populated by Christians, yet still there is a large pocket of Christians, true believers, across this land. I marveled as I watched something on YouTube last night. A ministry, a ministry that is actually headquartered in Israel, it's a Christian ministry, went around the world recently. Around the world. I'm talking in, uh, well, the Iranian that was interviewed actually lived, I think, in Sweden or something. The Netherlands, the United Kingdom. I'm mean, across the world. In Asia, Europe. All, and these people were interviewed and they were all expressing their great interest in the presidential election and how it will affect them. 
That's just amazing to me. How the whole world seems to have some kind of investment. And we can't, we can't treat this responsibility lightly as Christians. And so we have this space of time between now and election day. God will do what God will do, but our prayers will help prepare us for whatever happens. And that's between you and the Lord. So let's keep this reading in mind from 2 Chronicles and understand that while we are not Israel, we are the church and we are the people upon whom his name is called. There is no other name given among men by which we may be saved, must be saved except the name of Jesus. So after our service is over, and I'm, many of us may, may want to or need to leave, that's understandable. Those who want to can remain behind for just a bit and uh, have a prayer time together as a church for the upcoming election. For right now, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And let me tell you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. There is no other Savior. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you're here today without Christ, and you would come to Christ today... Here's how we're handling our invitation in these present days. Instead of asking you to come forward, we're simply asking you as you exit, you'll note a couple of rooms where deacons and their wives are waiting anyone who needs to go in and talk with them. They'll talk to you about coming to Christ. They'll talk to you about being baptized, having come to Christ. They'll talk to you about church membership. Maybe you're already a believer, already baptized, but you, you would like to invest your Christian life here at Shiloh. They'll take care of all those details. Whatever it is in your heart regarding those three things, you stop in. They'll pray with you, and we'll take care of all the details, okay? Father God in heaven, thank you for this very special day, for those beautiful children. How thankful I am that they're in church. And that they're learning about grace and about Jesus. Thank you for godly parents, Lord. Knowing that in these last days, the concept of family is swiftly being lost and replaced by other man-made worldly things. Thank you for godly families. Thank you for the opportunity that we still have to preach and to teach and to come before you and worship and pray. And now, Lord, we pray for any of those who are here today. Some, maybe you are calling them into your salvation. Others convicted with the need as believers to be baptized, and yet still others convicted with the need to come into this church as, as the home church and to be part of our family, God, ever how you deal with them. We pray that you would bless them and bless the time as they exit. And then what follows after our time of brief fellowship here as we exit, oh God, 
We pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us in a mighty way as we pray for the election. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.